Hello, welcome to Skull RPG Podcast. My name is Dwight Skull. My name is Jacob Skull. And today we're going to teach you how to tell, tell your, your story. story. Hey Dwight, so we should probably talk about a specific spell in D&D 5e. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to talk about the uh, hallucinatory terrain spell, which is found on page 249 of the Player's Handbook. Now, why we came across this spell is that you and I have been working on a book um, for basically 70 stat blocks. A little bit more, a little bit less. Yeah, like somewhere a little bit around more, there. More, actually, yeah. For um, basically human NPCs that can be used in your uh, D&D 5e game, we hope to have it out here shortly, maybe even by... Uh, within a day or two of this releasing. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, if you haven't picked up our other book, it's called RPG Adventure Ideas. You can see it in the show notes or the uh, description below. And uh, you can click on a link there and pick that up. It's only two ninety nine on Kindle. So pretty good deal there. Well, let's just talk about hallucinatory terrain. So first of all, it's a fourth level illusion spell, which is actually kind of amazing. It takes 10 minutes to cast, but because it lasts for 24 hours, it doesn't really matter how long it takes to cast. So you're not doing this in terms of a player. You're a game master. So put your game master hat on and think about how you can use a spell as a game master. We're going to go over a couple of times. So you can cast it for 10 minutes and you have 300 foot of range. You really don't even need much. You need a stone, a twig, and a bit of a green plant for components. Yeah, it's nothing. So you can find this on the ground next to you if you're even close to remotely outside. And because of the rolls, it doesn't say that you consume them. So you can just have a perpetual stone twig and some bit of green plant on that, you at all times. As long as it doesn't go away. And then because it lasts for 24 hours, this is the cool part. Okay. Um, in another episode, we're going to kind of ca- talk about creating a really cool room for your big bad guy or gal to be hanging out in. This spell is absolutely key to that concept but we want to talk about it first so here's what it says you make natural terrain in a 150 foot cube in a range look sound and smell like some other sort of natural terrain thus open fields or a road can be made into resemble a swamp a hill a crevasse or some other difficult or impassable terrain a pond can be made to seem like a grassy meadow a precipice could be seem to be like a gentle slope, or a rock-strewn gully can be like a wide and smooth road. Manufactured structures, equipment, and creatures within the area aren't changed in appearance. It's very clear to know that. The tactile characteristics of the terrain are unchanged, so characters entering into an area are likely to see through the illusion. If the difference is, isn't obvious by touch, a character carefully examining the illusion can attempt an intelligence or an investigation check against your spell save to disbelieve it. A creature who discerns the illusion for what it is sees it as a vague image superimposed on the terrain. So think of this as like a magical augmented reality, specifically once you know that it's there. You'll see, um, let's say you'll see the, the cliff face for what it is, but then you'll see the gently sloping hill uh, superimposed over it, and you know it's false, but it gives you a good idea of like what's there. So notice it's natural terrain, so this is a big deal. You can't use it in a castle or a dungeon or something like that to make it look different than it is, but you can have like a druid, for instance. You can have like a mm-hmm. druid or a, a, a it's got to be a magical type of person, but you can have somebody who's like a druid. So I believe this is a more of a wizard um, kind of spell. But the advantage here is you could have basically the, you're setting up the scene where your players have to get to a sacrificial site. When they show up, they see the wizard there, but they don't see the victim, right? They don't see any of this other stuff. Why? 
Well, because what happened is the the wizard is using it to kind of conceal what's actually happening. Now, it would have to be a – it can't be a stone altar because then the stone altar would show up because the buildings would superimpose. So would people. But it could just look like she's on the ground. And in reality, this altar could just be very natural in, in appearance. But he's altered it. So maybe she's in the all of a sudden in the middle of a lake now. Right? And it doesn't look like you can get to them easily. But in reality, there's no lake between you and them. Mm-hmm. And then there also could be um, – a series of hidden like pits that would be the easiest way to do it so if you had a pit trap that had you know brush or something over it this could make these pit traps look almost flawless because you're already hiding them with branches and other stuff anyway that make them look really concealed yeah. but now you're using a spell on top of the concealment and if you're using this in such a way that you can create your own little mystical landscape i mean who's to say that when the players enter into this, you know, area, it's just not a cliff face. And below them is a thousand foot drop. Well, in reality, it's not. But that's what they see on the hallucinatory terrain is a mm-hmm. thousand foot drop with maybe some really huge leaps and steps that they can get to floating rocks. And, you know, it's magic. So who knows how this world looks like this. But the advantage is the, look, the world doesn't look like this at all. It's just the hallucinatory terrain. And obviously, a player would know something's up if they missed the jump. But that gives you time to have your people at range picking off melee fighters and stuff. Where the melee fighters are trying to maybe get through this huge, stupid type of thing, a scenario that's outdoors. But in reality, it's just a gentle slope coming up toward them. But all they can see is the, you know, the craziness, the pits, the the uh, devastation, maybe the entire like the drops, you mm-hmm. know, like the wily e. coyote cliff drops. You know, yeah. have no idea what's there. I mean, I mean, even if it takes them a, a round for them to figure out that it's an illusion, that's still an extra round where they're not necessarily fighting and yeah. they're getting hammered by and you could have arrows this... and spells and right exactly everything. And it could be a really cool plot device more than anything else. As you show up and you start describing this crazy scenario. And the guy's a wizard, so I mean, let's just be honest, wizards can do weird stuff anyway, so who's to say this guy didn't spend, you know, the last 20 years using stone shapes or whatever weird things to, you know, he's hired out a bunch of people to use magic to shape the terrain like he wants, because this is where he hangs out, or this is where, Mm -hmm. you know, this is where he does his annual sacrifices, or this is where he does his magic, or whoever, whatever it is. And since it is natural terrain, think about it in a different way. What if you have a courtyard type of dungeon? And what I mean by that is, um, think of this in terms of like, you walk into a uh, cathedral, a temple that's dedicated to some sort of nature-ish god, could be an evil god though. And when you walk out into this huge open area, so think like if you've ever seen Game of Thrones... I'm talking about the watery area with the the trees and stuff in Winterfell where you have this huge castle that literally surrounds like this huge open air garden. Mm -hmm. Well, this spell would work perfect in an open air garden and would also allow you to put people up on top on parapets to basically snipe the players as well. You couldn't do much against that kind of buildings there. Like you wouldn't be able to do much for the hallucinatory train there. But the rest of the train inside the garden could be manifested and changed any way you want. So 
this is kind of a cool spell where you can use it as a plot device more than mm-hmm. anything else. And to be fair, if you're big bad, your big bad's not going to be casting all their fourth level spells. So this is just something that could be prepared and ready to go. Specifically, if this is where this person's home is, so they like to change the environment, they know where everything is. Yeah. But they like the look and the aesthetic, or they know you're coming because, you know, you've been, you know, you've been hammering away and broadcasting that you're coming by killing every little outpost on the way to this guy. So he has the ability to cast it. Based on what I'm reading on it, too, you could use the illusionary magic to hide, like, a chest in things in the terrain. Because it says it's not changed by the magic, but you could still hide it as long as you're not, like, throwing something up and in it. So if you just did, like, a ton of spires of rock. Yep. You could have people or things hide behind the spires, and when they enter, they just see the spires, but they don't see now you only what's have, behind it. You only have a 150-foot cube, which is a, a good a good chunk of size, honestly, That's but it's, really still, size, it's size. still not like miles. So, mm-hmm. um, But, I mean, the nice thing is, yeah, you definitely can change stuff out. Now, remember, too, that as the players start, you would definitely want to make sure that Whatever they're walking on feels like what you're wanting them to walk on, or you make it so scary that they don't want to walk on it, like mm-hmm. a fall, like mm-hmm. a cliff face type of thing or whatever. I mean, functionally here, you could also have it where they walk in and the whole, you know, it's like the floor is lava, mm-hmm. you know, between you and them. And what are they going to do? Right? And, and, and unless I mean, they do the investigation. Because right. they would have to figure out that there's something wrong wrong with it to even prompt the roll. Right. Or who's going to touch the lava? Right. You want to touch the lava? Oh, the lava feels like grass to me. You know, that's good. I didn't necessarily want to try that. Um, so, I mean, the real issue is how many times do your players walk into a scenario and just start, I disbelieve. Well, okay, why would you disbelieve? Mm-hmm. But obviously, if they do walk into something where it would make sense for them to disbelieve, you should allow them the roll to get out yeah, of it. Yeah, like... For example, if they tried to, for whatever reason, use a 10-foot pole to hit the lava, expecting it to melt away, and it it's fine. Yeah, then they can roll. would prompt a roll. Yeah. But you're not going to walk into a room and instantly disbelieve and be yeah. able to get that. You need to do something that right. the the physics of this room doesn't make sense. Why? I don't I don't believe every room I walk into. Like, I don't buy that as a GM. Mm-hmm. You've never brought it up before now. Now, if I did some crazy thing, I might you might cause a disbelief. Mm-hmm. But if you did something where it's like it's a 50-foot drop to you know a bunch of pits, and then there's you're in this or, little precipice, and there's a broken bridge between or, you and them, they kind of go, oh, okay. Or, or, or if it's something simple like you're using these jagged outcroppings that you're creating to hide specific areas in the cave where more guys will flood in so they don't yeah. see them, you're not going to question that. Exactly. So think about how you can use this. Again, it's on page 249. It's called Hallucinatory Terrain. Think about it in terms of what you can do in an outside-ish setting in a 150-foot cube that could make your players stop twice, think, and honestly cost them a couple of rounds before they realize it's hallucinatory, which is fine. Um, But in a lot of ways, it deals with battlefield control, which we're going to talk about in our next episode where you can literally make them walk into certain areas where they normally wouldn't walk or better yet, not come straight at you because they think there's a problem between you going straight at it. And it could just be something as simple as, 
you know, there's some really rough terrain between you and them. In reality, there's no rough terrain there. Mm -hmm. But they look at it and it's like, yeah, it looks like a bunch of spikes, you know, like he's raised spikes up out of the stone. And it looks like you'll take damage if you go across those spikes because they're like a foot and a half uh, tall. Mm-hmm. Well, that means your fighter and your melee guy are going to take an extra round and a half to walk around those spikes, or they'll run around them, and then they won't have the attack at the end of the turn. Meanwhile, your ranged guys can start picking them off, spells can start picking them off, and even that one or two actions of that would be almost enough to have this pre-cast, because to be honest, if he's at a high enough level, you know, are you really going to be using all your fourth level spells? And again, yeah, it took 10 minutes to cast, but if I knew you were going to be here in the next, I don't know day or 20 12 hours i can get this cast pretty quickly or or if you're specially designing that room to be a death trap and you're using this spell to hide that it behooves you not to cast it every single night before you go to bed and regen your spells yeah that's the other thing it goes away you know because it stays up for 24 hours but you regen it when you do a long rest so what's to say you don't cast it every night go to sleep because this is where your home is And you're just always prepared for that. Mm -hmm. So hopefully I'll give you some ideas and we'll see you tomorrow. Hey, thanks for listening. And for more resources, please go to SkullRPG.com.